the word today. Jesus, we thank you, God, for what you've done in our lives. God, I thank you for your, your goodness and your faithfulness, your mercy that endures all generations. God, I pray that you would continue to minister through your word today. God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. And God, let your will be done, I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Be seated. What's in your mouth? Probably something we asked our children before, which I just thought of now. But the political climate of the day was in a mess, and the nation's leader was seemingly becoming more and more unhinged as time went on. He was doing odder and odder things. And at the same time, there was a younger leader who was rising up, and someone who the people looked up to, someone who had been victorious in several military campaigns, and he was a leader with a good head on his shoulders, a leader for the people, from the people. And even though the younger leader was quickly rising through the ranks and increasing in respect in the eyes of the people, he never said anything bad against the elder statesman. He never undermined him. He didn't try to take his position or his job. He didn't try to turn the people against him. It was really an unprecedented sort of relationship. And normally... We would see such a man being driven by power and position and stooping to character assassination. If you look at any of our political ads today, that's how they, they roll. Well, this guy wasn't like that. It's, this younger man, he did no such thing. And instead, he just continued to go about his business, loyal to his nation, loyal to his leader, and doing whatever was asked and expected of him. And the people loved him for it. However, the elder statesman, he saw the younger increase in popularity among the people and he started to become more and more jealous of him and he started to see him as a threat instead of an asset. And even though he was in no way threatening him, and so he began to attack this younger man with the force and the strength of the nation and the army behind him. And the younger man was forced to flee the country for his own safety. And unfortunately, the neighboring country was one of the countries where he had had some successful military campaigns. And so the young man was put in a tough situation. Does he stay home where there's a bounty on his head or does he go to the neighboring country where they most likely want to kill him also? He was the enemy there. What was he supposed to do? How was he supposed to survive this? All he'd ever done was be a good servant to his leader. All he'd ever done is be a good servant to his nation and a leader to his men. And because of some insecurities of others, he found himself in an impossible situation. Stay home and die or go live among the enemies and probably die. And he decided to try his hand among the enemy, but with a twist. So our hero decided to pretend that he was insane. No one would hurt an insane person. Even though, even the enemy had pity on the mentally ill. And so he scribbled on the gates and he drooled down his beard. And he was driven to pretend madness through no fault of his own. Simply from someone else's jealousy and envy. And it was here in the city of Gath, in the land of the Philistines, that David wrote a couple of psalms. It was here, hiding and running for his life in a terrible position through no fault of his own put there by the choices and decisions of others. It was here that he wrote some songs 
to God. And I don't know if we fully appreciate that. It's just a story to us, I think. If we could just take a moment and let that settle in. David was on Saul's hit list. Saul was the king. I don't know if you've ever been on a hit list before, but it's not fun. I was, believe it or not. Oh, you don't believe me because I'm so likable. I know. It was grade nine. First year of high school. First week of high school. Everything was new and frightening. I don't know if I told you this story before because it never really fit in with anything. But everything was new and weird and frightening. If you remember that first week of high school, I don't know. Might be, maybe it was different back then, but I don't know. In 1999, it was something. I went from a, a little school of a couple hundred to a high school of 1,500 kids or more. And in grade nine, it, there's a difference between grade nine boys and grade 10. Nobody grows, I think, until the grade nine summer. And so we're all tiny. And I remember going up the steps to the school, and there was these big gangster-looking guys with, like, beaters on and big chains. And back then, everyone wore their pants low. And these guys had muscles. I didn't even know what a muscle was in grade nine. And these guys were huge. And I remember just like, what am I doing here? I don't belong here. I'm all got my fresh clothes on that have never been worn, you know. And these guys are just, I don't know, I look like I didn't belong. And I was terrified. Here, the scrawny. I was, I was quite thin and short. I know it's hard to believe. But. Scared for my life. I didn't have hair. On the first week of school, the phone rings and it's the police. They say, hello, is Ryan Shepard there? And yeah, that's, that's me. This is Sergeant so-and-so, I don't remember the name, from the St. John Police Department. Do you know what a hit list is? And it turns out this girl from my class, I don't know if I should say her name or not, but she had made a, a hit list the first week of school, a list of people that she was going to kill. And my name was on it. And they tried to tell me that it was probably okay and not to worry about it, and this sort of thing happens. Um, but when I tell you that I didn't sleep that night, I'm not lying. What, did I, what had I done to this girl? What did I... Like, I only remember maybe one interaction with her. You know, I'm not the most loudest and outgoing of folks. I wasn't causing any problems. I was trying to survive. And... Um, you know, I barely talked. I barely talked to anyone. Like this was the first week of school. How? Let's go. What did I do? And I'm trying to figure out what I done. And, and uh, I don't know. And the next morning, I'm I'm walking to the bus stop. My mom didn't care. She didn't drive me to school or nothing. She was like, you know what? You die, you die. I got another one. She didn't say that. But I. <laughs> Some of you may die. No. And. So I'm walking to the bus stop and I'm freaking out everywhere, every noise. Like it's, it's eerily quiet that morning. I don't know. And there's a lot of hedges on the way to the bus stop. And I'm like, she's behind one of these and she's going to jump out. And she's going to shoot me. And I don't know what's going on. Where is every, why is everybody on this street asleep? And I'm terrified and every noise and every thing that happens, someone's going to kill me. And I just, I'm more jumpy than usual. And I don't, I don't know anything about this. I've never been on a hit list before or since. This is uncharted territory for me, so judge me all you want. But I was 14, and I didn't know how this worked. I'd never been threatened before with death. So I get to school, 
And the loud kids in the class are asking everyone, hey, did you get a call last night from the police? Are you on the hit list too? That's hilarious. What a crazy person. What a wacko. You know, she's, oh man, I didn't get a call. Why didn't I get put on the hit list? Oh, I got to try harder. And they're all just making jokes about this. And it turns out she had made a list of all the names in the class that she could remember. And she had planned on killing us all. Whether, I don't know. She would have or not, I don't know. Thankfully, someone found out and reported it. And she was, I never saw her again. Surprise, surprise. She was taken away somewhere else where they could deal with her and help her get through whatever was going on in her life. But for one day, I was terrified. Just absolutely, I've never been more scared in my life. I know I've told you stories about being scared, but I know this was the worst. Every noise, every sound, I was just on edge. Just replaying every interaction I might have had with her over and over. Did I say something she overheard? I don't know. And what did I do? What did I say? If I, if I see her, what am I going to do? If she just appears, how am I going to react to this? What am I going to say? How am I going to talk myself out of this? What am I going to do? How do I get out of this? And this is where David was. David's on the run. His life is literally being threatened, not by some 14-year-old girl, but by the king of Israel with all the power, all the authority, all the army behind him, the people behind him. And I know we act like today our lives are being threatened whenever there's a minor inconvenience or someone doesn't agree with us or our lifestyle, but this guy, his life was actually being threatened. And it, it's, it wasn't just some random person. This was a guy who had all the power and authority. He had people working for him. And David had been faithful to God and he'd been faithful to his king, Saul. He'd been faithful to his country. He'd served his country well. He was Saul's son-in-law. He had great victories. You know, he killed a behemoth of a man. And even though he'd done nothing wrong here, his life was in danger and he could be killed at any moment. Any, like, any person could be an assassin. And he was forced to live among his enemies in the city of Gath. It may sound familiar. Who was famously from Gath? Why? It's some guy named Goliath. Do you remember him? What's Goliath famous for? Oh, I know. Being killed by David. The hero of the city. This man had killed him. And this is where he has to go to hide. This is not a good place. Things are so bad that David is forced to hide in the city of one of his greatest enemies and so bad that David has to leave the land of his brothers and go and live in the land of the Philistines. And in this city he's forced to live in, he killed their hero. Gath's claim to fame was Goliath and he was no more. David would be public enemy number one, but here he thinks it's safer than living in his own country right now. That's how bad it was. This is uncharted waters for any of us. David's got it pretty, pretty rough and so bad. He's got to pretend that he's insane just so the enemy will let him live. And yet in the middle of this, Saul putting a hit out on him and David's, you know, running to Gath. His reaction is to praise God. And his reaction is to write a couple of Psalms. One of them is Psalm 56 and the other we're just going to look at it. The first verse of it today was Psalm 34. And he starts it by saying, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. In spite of the drama, in spite of the fear and the pretend 
insanity and all the other issues surrounding David, he said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I will bless the Lord at all times. Now, that's something that's easy to say in the good times. It's something that we can get on board with when there's no drama, we're not on a hit list, so there's no emergencies, when the king isn't trying to actively destroy you, but all times encompasses everything. All times includes sickness, all times includes frustration, all times includes depression and abandonment, all times includes the attacks that we endure. David said, I will bless the Lord at all Times. Blessed means to bless God, to adore with bended knees, to praise him, to worship him. No matter what it is that I'm facing, David said, I will bless him. I will praise him. I will adore him. I will turn my attention to God no matter what I am facing in all times. If I'm broke, I will bless the Lord. If I'm in pain, I will bless the Lord. If I'm hurting, I will bless the Lord. If I'm stuck in a situation, I'm going to bless him. If I'm depressed, I'm going to bless him. If I'm abandoned, I'm going to bless him. If I'm sick and I'm struggling, I'm going to bless him. If I'm in the valley, I'm going to bless the Lord. If I'm on top of the mountain, I'm going to bless the Lord. I'm going to bless him in the good times and the bad times. In all times, I will bless the Lord. And we like to bless him when things are going good, when the kids are listening and the songs that we like are being sung, when the preacher preaches what we want to hear, when the doctor's report is good and when the bills are being paid and when the fridge is full, we like to bless the Lord then. But David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. My times do not dictate my praise to God. My situation does not control my worship. I will bless the Lord at all times. Times. Job lost everything he owned, and his reaction was what? Job arose and rent his mantle, shaved his head, and fell on the ground and worshipped. He literally lost everything else, but the one thing the enemy couldn't take away was his relationship with God, was praise, and his worship. The enemy can do a lot to us, but he can't come between us and our God. He may drive us insane. He may drive us away from where we want to be. He may do all kinds of things, but he cannot take my praise. He cannot take my worship. He cannot take my relationship with God. You can have everything taken away, but he can never take your praise or your blessing or your worship. And that is up to us. He can only take away, take it away if we give it up. And life can throw a lot at us, but it cannot separate us from God. Paul says in Romans 8, for I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from his love. It's only us that removes us. It's only us that takes us away. The enemy can't come between you and God. Nothing can separate us from his love. Death, life, nor physical realm. Angels, principalities, powers, no spiritual force, nothing present, nothing in the future. The past has already been covered by his blood. Height, depth, any direction we go, no matter how high or low we are, nothing can separate us from his love. David said, I can make my bed in hell, or I can make my bed in Sheol, and you would still 
be there. No creature can separate us from the love of God. And so that means whatever we're facing, whatever life is throwing at us, his love is still there. His peace and his presence is still there. And so I'm still going to bless him. So I'm still going to praise him at all times because his love is still with me. His presence is still with me. Whatever I'm going through, it doesn't matter. My God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I can still praise him in all times because my God is faithful in all times. I can bless him in all times because my God is the same in all times. He never changes. He never abandons. He never forsakes. He never turns his back on us. He is there always and forever. Why should I bless him in all times? Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Because he's good. Because the situations do not change my God. My God changes the situations. Because nothing is too hard for my God. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. We can bless him at all times because he is faithful. He is faithful in all times. So I can bless him. And all times. Psalm 119 and 9, he says, Thy faithfulness is unto all generations. Thou hast established the earth and it abideth. The faithfulness of God goes forever to all generations. It's for you, it's for me, it's for my children, it's for their children, it's for all of us, all generations. Psalm 103, 17 to 18 says, But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness and the children's children. It continues to generations. And it says, To such as keep his covenant and to those that remember his commandments to do them. I think sometimes it's hard for us to wrap our minds around how faithful our God is. Our lives are short. Our, we witness unfaithfulness on a regular basis, especially in our self-centered society that we live in. People will say one thing often and do another. Marriage vows are broken every day and people get tossed away for the next thing. But the faithfulness of God, the Bible says, is to all generation. He wasn't just faithful to the elders. He's faithful to my children as well. He wasn't just faithful to the apostles. He's faithful to us too. He wasn't just faithful to Abraham. He's faithful to you as well. His faithfulness is forever. He cannot be unfaithful. He is again the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the very definition of Steadiness. He never changes. God sets the bar for faithfulness. He established the earth, and it's still here. No matter what the rest of them say, it's still here. <laughs> the psalm writer says that means that he is faithful. His mercy is everlasting to anyone who follows him. If, so I can bless him at all times because he is faithful. His faithfulness runs through everything and it never ends it lasts longer than the storm it lasts longer than a war it lasts longer than the heartaches that we endure it lasts longer than every trial every valley every battle every false accusation every rumor that we face the faithfulness of god endures and life can happen and things can happen to us but his faithfulness is going to endure all of those things it's going to be for you and your children and their children it does not end god cannot be unfaithful when we lose someone we love he's still faithful when we doubt he's still faithful when we struggle he's still faithful when we have a hard time believing and having faith he's still faithful when it looks good or it looks bad he's still faithful when we're on the mountain or the valley, we're enjoying sorrow, we're in blessing, and we're in blessing or devastation. God is still faithful. 
so we can bless him at all times. How is he faithful? Well, I'm glad you asked through me asking for you. That was nice because I have an answer ready. How convenient that was. God is faithful in love. Deuteronomy 7 and 9 says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Others may leave, others may abandon you, others may break trust or vows or covenants, but God is faithful in his love. The Bible says he loves consistently and he loves faithfully. His love does not depend on me and what I do. He keeps his word and he continues to love. And so I can bless him at all times. God is faithful in mercy. Lamentations 3 and 22, 23 says, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Every morning I wake up, there's new mercy for me. Every time I fall or fail and fall short, there's new mercy for me. We live in a world where mercy is rarely shown anymore. People are canceled by the mob for the things they did years ago. Past are brought up uh, as if people can't change. But yet God's mercy is new every day. Great is his faithfulness. My friend Anne Shirley says, tomorrow is a new day with no mistakes in it yet. But if there is, there's mercy. If we fail, there's mercy. There's compassion. He understands. God doesn't cancel us. God doesn't give up on us. God doesn't turn his back on us when we fail or we fall or we sin. And so I can bless him at all times because his mercy endureth forever. God is faithful in his works. Psalm 33 and 4 says, For the word of the Lord is upright and his work is done in faithfulness. God doesn't cut corners. I know none of us do. We do everything the right way. Stop talking to me. Watch. But God doesn't make it up as he goes along. He's not figuring it out. You know, sometimes we try to do things and we'll just figure it out. For some of us, that works. For me, it doesn't. God's not just figuring it out. He's faithful in his works. You don't need to worry about whether or not he's going to show up. I'm sure we've all worked with people like that. From time to time, we weren't faithful in their work. <laughs> like a... I used to have that issue. I told you a real guy, Kevin. There's a lot of Kevin, so he's not gonna know. Kevin wasn't faithful in his work. We sent him to do a task, and he disappeared. One day, he literally disappeared. No idea where he went. Sent him out to change garbage. Garbage is in the dining area. And someone's come back. I was in the kitchen. Kevin wasn't doing anything as normal, so we're like, you know, Kevin, we'll do that. This is not going to hurt us if he's not here. We went out to do it. And then the person up front asked, you know, has somebody done that? I said, yeah, we sent him to do it. We go out, they're not changed. And he's nowhere to be found. He wasn't in the dining area. He wasn't in the back. He wasn't in the kitchen. He wasn't in the front. He wasn't in the washroom. I went outside. Kevin wasn't outside. I have no idea where Kevin went. Maybe half an hour later, he shows up. And then goes the change. Like, and he asked him where he went. Oh, no, 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 no. He disappeared. I'd never seen it happen before. He didn't have a car. I don't know where he went. Thin air. Maybe he went A&W next door. I don't know. He disappeared. He wasn't. He was nowhere. And thankfully, God is not like Kevin. 
He's faithful in his word. You can depend on him. You can rely on him. If he says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. <laughs> and because of that, I can bless him at all times. God is faithful in his works. God is faithful in his word. Hebrews 11, 11 says, through faith, also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she had judged him faithful who had promised. God had promised something to Sarah and he came through. If God says something, he's going to do it. You just need to believe it. You just need to hold on to it. I can bless him at all times because his word says he never leaves us or forsakes us. The word says that he's our healer. The word says that he's our deliverer. He's our rock and our strong tower. The word says that he provides. The word says that he's a, a way maker and he is in control. And so I can bless him at all times because he's faithful to his word. God is faithful also to forgive. First John 1 and 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. People put a lot of stipulations on forgiveness and they expect you to do a lot of things nowadays in order for you to be forgiven of them. And even then they may or may not forgive and they may continue to bring it up years from now and we may have holidays to celebrate and they may do this or that and bring it up every three minutes because they just can't let it go. Even though you've asked for forgiveness and they say they forgive you, but not God. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. If what? All we need to do is repent. All we need to do is confess him and he is faithful and just to forgive. He doesn't have a checklist of things you need to do to earn your forgiveness. All you need to do is ask. All you need to do is confess and just admit it and he will forgive us. And that is an incredible thing. There's no, well, you got to prove it for six months and then we'll see if you are really sorry. Okay, now you don't, you don't do anything wrong for a while. We'll know that you really mean it, and then maybe we'll forgive you. He doesn't do anything like that. All we got to do is confess, and he is faithful and just to forgive, which is good because, honestly, we need forgiveness quite a bit. If you've sinned, if you've failed, he is faithful to forgive. If you find yourself away from God this morning or away from where you need to be with him, he is faithful to forgive and bring you back home like the prodigal's father. So I saw this week, uh, you know, it doesn't matter how far away you are, the journey home is just one step, and the Father's running to meet you. He's faithful to forgive. He's faithful to bring you back and restore like the prodigal's father, like the shepherd looking for the lost sheep, like the woman looking for her coin in the house. God is faithful to forgive and restore. Heaven rejoices over one sinner who repents. He is waiting in his faithfulness to forgive. And there's nothing that you've done that is too big for him. He's not intimidated by your sin. All you need to do is repent. All you need to do is confess and take ownership of it and admit it. And if you do, the Bible says he's faithful and just to forgive. So I can bless the Lord at all times because I've seen his forgiving faithfulness in action. I can bless him at all times because I have been forgiven. I have seen the effects of his forgiveness in the lives of others. I have seen lives changed and transformed so I can bless him. And that's enough to get you started. Reasons why you can bless the Lord at all times. And I think you get the point. There are many reasons why we can bless the Lord at all times. None of it has to do with our situation because that does not affect who he is. But it's a choice that we need to make. It's something that we have to decide. I laid some facts out for you. Do with them what you will. 
It's up to us if we're going to bless the Lord at all times. It's something we have to decide. It's a decision we have to make in all times. When things aren't going well, I need to make that decision. Am I going to bless him right now? Or am I going to curse the day I was born? Am I going to bless him or am I going to complain? Am I going to go on Facebook or am I going to go to a prayer? Am I going to bless him? Am I going to praise him? Everything's a mess, but am I going to praise him anyway? It's a decision we need to make. Everything's going wrong. Am I going to bless him anyway? Or, or am I going to ignore the fact that no matter what my situation is, he's still faithful? Am I going to focus on all the negative stuff? Or am I going to focus on his goodness and his faithfulness right now? Things may not be the best. This is a time when we celebrate all the things we're thankful for. But sometimes we just look at them. I don't know. There's not much. Sometimes it seems like there's not much to be thankful for. We can look at all the negative stuff or we can focus on his goodness and his faithfulness. Right now is the time to bless the Lord. This is part of all times. We focus on the olden times and the end times. And to worry about all times. Praise Him at all times. Right now our life may be in danger. I don't know. I hope nobody's on a hit list. But you never know. One of ours is screaming. They're having a good time. Right now our life may be in danger. Right now we may not be in the best place. Right now we may be in a situation that we don't know how to navigate. Right now is the time to bless the Lord. It's a choice that we need to make. By not making it, you are, in fact, making a choice. It's one of those types of choices. Either do it or you don't. That's a choice. You don't have any other option. It's not all going to bless the Lord at some times because you made a choice and you're not going to bless Him at all times. It's one or the other. I know. Well, you can play something. Excellent. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. So the question today is, what is in your mouth? Is it praise or is it complaints? Real quiet. Are we rejoicing in the Lord always or are we focusing on the negative things? This past general conference, our superintendent, Brother David Bernard, told the story. And this man, he's known as a, a great preacher, a great teacher, a, a, a church planner. He's written many books. He started a church in Texas, Austin, Texas. There's been, it's in the double digits of churches that have come out of that church. Daughter Works, and now they've got Granddaughter Works, if that's such a thing. Churches being born, no churches that came out of that one. This is incredibly successful in ministry and all this. So he's written many books. He's done some one instrumentarian type of debates. Um, he's known for all these things. But one thing he's not really known as much for is that he was a missionary kid. His parents were the first United Pentecostal Church missionaries to South Korea in the 60s. He was eight uh, when they went to Korea. And while they were deputized and before they even got on the field, they were on their way to a service in New Orleans and their vehicle was hit head on by another vehicle. His mother was concussed. Can't remember these six weeks of her life. Her father broke, or his father broke um, his nose and both of his arms and Brother Bernard as a child, he had a gash 
the front of his head to the back and he had to go live with relatives for six weeks while his parents were in the hospital recovering. You know, that would be pretty discouraging. While he was in the hospital, he had a preacher come visit him and say, maybe this is a sign. Maybe you shouldn't go. And his father said, God only has to tell me once. We're going to Korea. He didn't turn on him. He didn't get mad. He didn't get upset. And while he was in the hospital, he had a nurse that took care of him every day. He started witnessing to this nurse. And she he hooked her up with a church nearby. She went to that church. She got filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name. He died a, a couple of years ago. And uh, Brother Bernard got a, contacted by this preacher. And he said, he's telling the story that his mother was that lady. She stayed in church her entire life from that moment on. She raised her kids in it. There's preachers coming out of that because this guy was in the hospital. He, I'm going to bless the Lord at all times. They kept praising him. And how many lives will be changed if praise was continually in our mouths? And in those days, um, nowadays you go for about four years or so. But those days you went for five years. And we got these PIMs up on the wall. That program didn't exist in the early 60s. So what they did was they just gave to global missions. And um, if money came in, they split it up amongst the missionaries. If it didn't, you were, you were broke. You know, with the PIMs, their funds are guaranteed every month. Um, so you had to sign a thing that you say you're okay with that. So money was tight. And, you know, you're in a place you couldn't just get home as easy as you can now. It was this big sacrifice they had to make. Um, Brother Bernard Sr. was 33 when they went. His wife was 32. And their first term there, the first five years, both of their mothers passed away. And you couldn't call home then. You had to go to the post office and wait all day until a line opened up and hope the person you were trying to call would be home. And if they weren't, well, they'd come back the next day or whatever. And it was a big ordeal and they didn't know that their parents had passed away they found out with a letter weeks later this is what they they gave up it wasn't an easy time and they were the the only upc family in the entire country in the first five years they had visits from other apostolic ministers three times so five years i never saw anyone else that believed what they believed three times his father he had a typewriter he'd go in the basement and he'd type away asking for money for let, uh, to build a church, to buy some property. He's just pounding away on that keyboard, typewriter. He could just, nowadays, just do it once, print it 400 times. But he had to, every time, he had to print every letter and he would mail it. And finally, they raised enough money to buy some property. And they put up a tent. That was the first VPC church in Korea. And then they raised enough to build a basement. So they built the basement. They had the church on top, or the, the tent on top. And they had a basement in, or a church in the basement. And then they raised more. And they built the first floor. By the time the 70s rolled around, the good old 70s, hundreds of people were receiving the Holy Ghost in a week. My brother Bernard said that when he was a child, he saw one day, one hour, I think it was 24 preachers baptized 550 people in one hour. And God started pouring out his spirit and it was just growing and it was going great. And then the persecution came. 
Because nobody cares if there's like a handful of people doing a thing. Well, the things started to grow and the persecution started to come. And I try to stop this oneness message. And so Brother Bernard Sr., he's preaching in a little church somewhere with his wife. And a gang came in to break up the service and they started to attack the missionary while he's preaching. He just kept on preaching. He just held on to the pulpit as hard as he could and he just kept preaching. And they just kept attacking and he kept preaching and they knocked over the pulpit. They grabbed him by the tie and they drug him out in the street and they threw him out in the street. And Sister Bernard, she was a little lady from the south, very proper, very dignified, very respectable, respectable southern belle always well put together she tells a story how they picked her up just picked her up and they just threw her out in the street out in the dirt road and she was so embarrassed there's hundreds of people walking up and down this street and how would we react to that I'll be embarrassed I'll be a little angry why am I even here what's the point if there's ever a time to complain, is that you're being faithful, you're doing what God called you to, you've sacrificed, you've given, you've done all these things, and now I'm just being thrown in the street like nothing. They've given, they've sacrificed, they paid the price, and this is how they're rewarded. And I've seen people complain and have fits over a lot less. I remember 2020. Little Sister Bernard, she said, I picked myself up. And I dusted myself off, and then I got so excited. Because I remembered in Acts 5 and 46 where they rejoiced because they were counted worthy to suffer shame for the name of Jesus. And so dirty, ashamed, covered in dirt, embarrassed, publicly humiliated, little Sister Bernard started worshiping Jesus in the middle of that street. She started praising Jesus. She started having herself a time in the presence of God in the middle of the street. Everyone's walking by. She's counting herself worthy. Thank you, Jesus, for letting this happen. Thank you, Jesus, that you brought us here. Thank you, Jesus, for this persecution that's happening. And she started praising him. Why? Because she had made up her mind. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. The question today is, what's in your mouth? What's in our mouths today? Are we going to praise Him? Are we going to bless Him? I know some of us, we got things going on in our family. We got drama. We got all kinds of issues. People acting the fool and fighting us and just going on and on. We got all kinds of things happening. I know that. We got sickness. We've got questions. We've got loss. But David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. What's in our mouth today? What are we going to do? Are we going to praise Him at all times? Are we going to take the Bible seriously, literally? Are we going to praise Him at all times? Are we just going to praise Him in the good times? Are we going to praise Him in the bad times, the good times, the rough times, the whatever? Are we going to praise Him at all times? What's in our mouth today? The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaking. What's in our hearts going to come out? We need to make sure our hearts are right. We need to make sure that we're following God with everything and loving Him with everything. Let His praise be continually in our mouth. I want to be like the apostles. I want to be like David. I want to be like little Sister Bernard. No matter what happens, 
I'm going to bless the Lord. No matter what anybody says about me or my family or does to me or my family, I'm going to bless the Lord at all times. I'm going to praise Him. My first reaction shouldn't be to worry. My first reaction shouldn't be to fear, but to praise Him and thank Him. When I go through persecution, I go through trials, I go through all kinds of things, I want my reaction to be to praise Him and bless Him. And I'm counting worthy. What's in your mouth today? Give me a time to. We're going to sing a song. That's what we're going to do. That's how we're going to end it. We're going to sing a song. Let's praise Him all times. I know we're going through different things today, but this is part of the all times. I know. Mind blowing stuff. This is part of the all times. Why don't we take some time? Let's make a commitment today. I'm going to bless the Lord at all times. I may be on the run, I may be going through horrible things, but I'm going to bless the Lord anyway. I'm going to praise the Lord. His praise is going to be continually be in my mouth. We control. It's a decision we need to make. We control what comes out by controlling our heart. If we surrender our heart. If we give our heart completely to Him, His praise is going to come out. But if we got issues and we're not dealing with things in our heart, that's going to come out. We've talked about this many times. We need to go over it again. Our hearts need to be right so that His praise will come out in all time. Jesus, and the altar's open. If you want to come and pray, you want to come and praise Him, please do. Let's praise Him today. Let's worship Him. Thank Him for what He's done. Thank Him for who He is. Thank Him for His goodness in the middle of our trial, in the middle of our problems. Thank Him for His faithfulness. He's faithful to all generations. Thank Him for His mercy, His grace, His forgiveness. Oh, bless the Lord at all times. His praise. Continually be in my mouth.